Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 with me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects and also to provide refresher episodes for practicing architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari. And this week, we will be talking about the Leveling Up and Regeneration Act 2023. Today's episode meets PC3 of the Part 3 criteria. So I briefly mentioned this act in episode 96, where I discussed the legislation updates coming into force uh, later this year. So the Leveling Up and Regeneration Act officially became law in October 2023, but it hasn't yet taken full effect. The intention of the act is to introduce a new category of planning policies, which are the national development management policies, which will carry the same weight as local plans in the decision making on planning applications. Something to bear in mind with the proposed changes under the Leveling Up and Regeneration Act is that a number of the items covered within the act depend on secondary legislation to be imposed for their delivery. So essentially it means that additional um, legislation needs to be released or regulations uh, in order for specific aspects stated within the Act uh, to actually be enforced. So many of the Act's changes to planning procedures are unlikely to take effect until the associated regulatory and national policy changes are in place. Um, But this will just give you an overview of what might be coming up. So the Leveling Up and Regeneration Act should be considered as the framework setting out and providing the way for further legislation to follow. When this secondary legislation may be released is still to be determined at this stage. So looking at the Act more closely, it introduces some short-term and medium to long-term provisions. Starting with the short-term, the Act introduces new notices concerning development commencement, whereby developers will be required to submit commencement notices to the local planning authority, specifying the date that development is expected to start. And this will be mandatory for developers and they will need to submit another notice if the development doesn't start on the anticipated uh, date. And if a developer fails to submit a notice, they can face a fine. Alongside this, The Act also introduces the power to issue completion notices if a development is being built uh, out unreasonably slow and the local planning authority will also be able to issue a completion notice even before the three-year commencement period has lapsed if they believe that the development will not be completed within a reasonable period. So the aim for this is to force developers to complete developments essentially. The local planning authority will also have the power under the Act to decline to determine applications in cases of earlier non-implementation or unreasonably slow build-out. The Act also introduces the power to impose mandatory conditions relating to annual development progress reports on specified residential planning permissions in England. Another change is also the introduction of a consultation requirement for developments affecting ancient woodlands. Local planning authorities will be required to consult the housing secretary if they are minded to grant a planning permission for developments that affect ancient woodland. So amendments to 
the national planning policy framework wording are also expected to strengthen the protection of uh, ancient woodland. Also, another proposed update under the Act is to replace the environmental impact assessments, sustainability appraisal and strategic environmental assessment with what will be known as the environmental outcome reports. So this report is meant to streamline the system and place a greater focus on delivering uh, environmental ambitions. So the Act secures powers to implement a new system of environmental assessment. We are still waiting on the outcome of an earlier consultation that ended in June 2023 to inform the detailed approach in developing the environmental outcome reports. So these are just some of the changes that we are aware of and the ones considered to be the most impactful in planning changes in the Leveling Up and Regeneration Act, although what has been mentioned is by no means an exhaustive summary. So quite a few items might um, come in place in the next forthcoming months. Now let's move on to the medium to long term effects, whereby the Act makes changes to the planning making process and decision making on planning applications. And these uh, include abolishing the duty to cooperate, which requires planning uh, authorities to cooperate with each other in preparing their local plans. The government said that it will introduce a new flexible alignment policy instead. The Act also includes replacing supplementary planning documents used to expand on policies in local plans with uh, supplementary plans. Their scope would be limited to setting either site-specific policies or area-wide design codes. And the Act will also introduce a statutory requirement for local planning authorities to prepare design codes in which they set out design requirements for developments in their area. A key item to highlight here is that in addition to the changes in planning law, the Act will also be proposing changes to planning regulations to reform the plan making process, which is anticipated to come into force later this year. This will essentially require local planning authorities to produce local plans within 30 months and update them every five years, as opposed to the no set timetable that is currently in effect for local planning authorities to prepare their local plans. So it's proposed that in these 30 months, local plans would be examined by the planning inspectorate and un undergo two rounds of consultations to allow local community and certain public bodies to participate in the planning making process. And then there will be three gateway checks, which will consist of four to six weeks each, where technical specialists or planning inspectors would help local planning authorities to resolve issues. So the first and second gateway would take place at the start and partway through the plan making process. And the third gateway would be at the end of the plan making process and is intended to ensure that a local plan meets key requirements and is ready to proceed to examination and only a planning inspector would be able to advise the local planning authority at this gateway and it will be binding if the planning inspector determines that key requirements are met. So the three gateway checks will ensure any issues with the plan are picked up earlier in the plan making process and resolved prior to the examination. 
and it will also reduce the risk of local plans being found unsound at examination. Additionally, the government proposes for local planning authorities to complete a light touch annual return where they would be required every year to report on their progress against certain metrics set out by the government and against policies in their local plans. So the government proposed requiring local planning authorities to report on housing, including the number of additional dwellings, affordable units and homes on brownfield land, employment, including the change in employment floor space, and environment and open space, including the change in designated open space, the progress toward net zero emissions from buildings, and the delivery of 10% biodiversity net gain. In the first instance, the intention will be for local planning authorities to submit their local plans for examination by June 2025, if they want their local plans to be adopted under the old plan making system. Otherwise, they will need to prepare them in accordance with the new plan making system. The intention of this change is to speed up the local plan making process, but this reform is still under review as to whether 30 months will be enough time for local authorities to produce the local plans. So currently the process in preparing local plans is that local planning authorities are expected to consult the local community, local businesses and certain public bodies and publish and consult on their draft local plans for at least six weeks before submitting it for examination. And the issue is that they may take uh, too long to prepare and be adopted with many local plans being out of date. Hence the required change by the Leveling Up and Regeneration Act to give the government the power to set a mandatory timetable for local plan preparation to speed things up. Now reverting back to the initial policies I referred to at the beginning of the episode of the government's intention to make the planning system simpler, clearer and quicker to navigate with the introduction of the Housing Grants Construction and Regeneration Act. So looking first at the new category of planning policies known as National Development Management Policies. So to aid the decision-making process of planning applications, the new National Development Management Policies role is, as mentioned, to have the same weight as local plans in the decision-making on planning applications and will have a statutory footing in planning law. So once National Development Management Policies have been designated, local planning authorities will decide planning applications in line with their uh, local plan and the National Development Management Policies, unless material considerations strongly indicate otherwise. In case of a conflict between a local plan and a National Development Management Policy, the policy would take precedence over the local plan. So local plans will also not be able to uh, repeat national development management policies or be consistent with them. The benefit of these uh, national development management policies is that they will make uh, local plans faster to produce and easier to navigate because local planning authorities could focus on locally important issues while policies on nationally important issues will be set out by the government. And it will also provide safeguards where local plans are out of date 
because unlike the MPPF, the policies will have clear statutory status equivalent to an up-to-date local plan. In terms of who has authority over these policies uh, to designate, modify and revoke them, this is the Secretary of State for the Department of Leveling Up Housing and Communities role. And the National Development Management Policies will cover general planning policies on issues that apply in most areas in England, while locally specified policies will continue to be set out in local plans. In a policy paper accompanying the Leveling Up and Regeneration Bill published in May 2022, the government suggested that national development management policies would be derived from the policies currently set out in the MPPF, which set out that the MPPF would be refocused on setting out the principles to be taken into account on uh, local plan making. For example, the government suggested that policies preventing inappropriate development on greenbelt land and in areas at high risk of flooding might become national development management policies. The government also said that national development management policies will adhere to a number of principles, including that they will only cover matters that have a direct impact on the determination of planning applications. They will be limited to nationally important issues that affect decision-making across England or across significant parts of England. And they will also only address planning issues that concern the development and use of land. Now, when it comes to the relationship between the national development management policies and local plans, uh, so generally when considering planning applications for developments, local planning authorities make decisions in line with their local plans. And once in force, they will also make decisions in line with national development management policies. So essentially, both will be considered when making decisions on planning applications. Now, under the Leveling Up and Regeneration Act, provisions will also be made to allow other local planning authorities that are not part of combined authorities, mayoral combined or authorities or in Greater London, to prepare a joint spatial development strategy, which will set out policies that deal with matters that are only of um, strategic importance to the development and land use in the joint area. This power will be optional to use at the discretion of the local planning authorities. So once a joint spatial development strategy is adopted, it will form part of the policies in line with which a local planning authority will make decisions on planning applications, along with the local plan and the national development management policies. Now, referring back to one of the other changes the Act is seeking to make to the plan making process and decision making on planning applications, which is abolishing the duty to cooperate, which requires local planning authorities to cooperate with each other in preparing their local plans, so far as relating to a strategic matter, which relates to the sustainable development or use of land that has or would have a significant impact on at least two planning areas, and engage constructively, actively, and on an ongoing basis with each other and other prescribed bodies, such as Homes England, the Environment Agency, and Natural England, in preparing their local plans. 
So the government has stated that the duty to cooperate will remain in place until the flexible alignment policy takes effect as part of a future revised MPPF. Now let's look at the other change the Act is proposing, which is the intention of replacing supplementary planning documents with supplementary plans that will have the same statutory weight as local plans in decision-making on planning applications, and they are intended to help local planning authorities react and respond to unanticipated changes in their area and provide area-wide design codes and or set out site-specific policies on affordable housing or infrastructure. So the government said supplementary planning documents will remain in place until local planning authorities have adopted new local plans under the new plan-making system. Now, the other change the Act is proposing is requiring the local planning authorities to prepare local design codes for their area, which are to include a set of illustrated design requirements that provide specific detailed parameters for the physical development of a site or area. There is provision currently within the MPPF for local planning authorities to prepare design codes and guides as part of their local plans or set them out in their supplementary planning documents. But local planning authorities are currently not required to prepare these. So the aim of the Act will make it a requirement for local planning authorities to prepare local design codes, either in the form of a supplementary plan or as part of their local plans, because both supplementary plans and local plans have statutory weight in decision-making on planning applications, and in the future, proposed developments will be required to adhere to requirements set out in local design codes. So they will essentially have to meet both. So again, these are just some of the changes that we are aware of, and the ones considered to be the most impactful planning changes in the Leveling Up and Regeneration Act. Although what has been mentioned is by no means an exhaustive summary. So the Act is also seeking to make changes to the infrastructure levy, replacing the current system of developer contributions with a more simple but mandatory and locally determined levy. So the levy will be charged based on the value of the property when it's sold and applied above a minimum threshold. So levy rates and minimum thresholds will be set and collected locally and local authorities will be able to set different rates within their area. The rates will be set as a percentage of gross development value rather than based on floor space, which is currently the case, with the community infrastructure levy. So to strengthen the infrastructure delivery further, the bill will require local authorities to prepare infrastructure delivery strategies, and these will set out a strategy for delivering local infrastructure and spending levy proceeds. These changes to the levy will of course need to go through a consultation process first and then to be formally set out in regulations and be applied. So these changes haven't as yet been implemented. So essentially the aim of the Leveling Up and Regeneration Act is to speed up the planning system, hold developers to account cut bureaucracy and encourage more councils to put in place more plans to enable the building of new homes. 
but let's see if this is actually put in practice over the next forthcoming year. But I will keep you posted as and when uh, I receive more updates. So to sum up what I discussed today, the Leveling Up and Regeneration Act 2023 became law in October 2023. The Act is to introduce a new category of planning policies, the National Development Management Policies, which will carry the same weight as local plans in the decision-making on planning applications. The key changes proposed by the Act are in relation to the plan-making process and decision-making on planning applications, which includes abolishing the duty to cooperate, requiring local planning authorities to cooperate with each other in preparing their local plans. It also proposes to replace supplementary planning documents used to expand on policies in local plans with supplementary plans and introducing a statutory requirement for local planning authorities to prepare design codes in which they set out design requirements for developments in their area. And local authorities will also be expected to produce local plans within 30 months and update them every five years and would be examined by the planning inspectorate. And as mentioned, these changes have yet to be formally set out in regulations. And I will keep you updated as and when further updates come come out and when further regulations have actually been uh, put into place. And that concludes today's episode. If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes. Thank you for listening. This is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more part three with me time.